turn to Galatians chapter 5 this morning, and as you're turning there, I want to say how much I appreciate Josh, my son-in-law. Josh, raise your hand. Josh, on the spur of the moment, was able to fill in for us yesterday, and so if you were, pardon me, not yesterday, last Sunday, if you weren't here, Josh shared with us. In fact, he was supposed to share this morning, uh, and so he had, he was already prepared because we're in the middle of a series, and so he was able to step it up in a hurry, and it allowed Beverly and I to just uh, jump and run to San Antonio and be with our friends and be a comfort to them in their time of sorrow and loss, and so thank you, Josh. He actually spoke on the, on the fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness. And so that's a head to from where we were. And I won't go into the reason why we're getting, uh, you know, one reason is because I was gone. And then we had a special event, uh, a Liberty Sunday. What do we call that? Freedom Fest. And so uh, we kind of took a break from there. But we're getting back into the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're in Galatians chapter 5, I want to read this a couple of verses for you. If you're there, you're ahead of me. But Galatians chapter 5, Paul is kind of helping this Galatians church, this Galatian church get back on track, get out of legalism and back into the flow of the spirit of God for their life. Uh, and you know, he, he says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And then he begins to talk about walking in the spirit. And, and then he warns us about the, 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 things of the flesh the, 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 that we battle with, the works of the flesh, and he enumerates them, and he says a lot of bad things that we've probably all, you know, been involved with sometime or another, and then he said, and such the like. It's in other words, man, there's just so many different manifestations of the works of the flesh. Just, hey, realize that if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're going to be dealing with that stuff, but then he begins to say, walk in the Spirit, and then in verse 22, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say love. Everybody say joy. Everyone say peace. Everyone say long-suffering. And let me stop and pause. I shared with a couple weeks ago from that. That means long-tempered, not just patient, but not having a short temper. Anybody here willing to say, uh, Pastor, at one time I had a short temper? All right. How many of you still need deliverance? Anybody? Oh, let me ask, who, who next to you needs deliverance from a short temper? Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. Being long-tempered. And then he goes on to say uh, kindness, which we'll talk about today, goodness. And then Josh spoke on faithfulness. And then gentleness and self-control. I'm, I'm excited about all of these. And then he says, against such, there is no Law. Father, once again, we thank you for the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. And everybody said, Amen. The fruit of the Spirit, it's the produce, it's the product, it's the offspring, if you will, of living a Spirit-filled life. If you deal with the works of the flesh all the time, it's the product, it's the produce, it's the result of living in the flesh and not in the spirit. So that's why Paul the Apostle said so adamantly, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so, so fruit is the product of a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. And so it's so important. Everyone say it's so important. It's, come on, say it again. It's so important. 
What's that so important to do? It's so important to uh, allow the Holy Spirit liberty in your life. That's what Jesus said when the disciples were nervous about his departure. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's help you. He's going to teach you. He's going to take care of you. I'm telling you, he's not going to leave us comfortless. He sends us the Holy Spirit. And, and so that's where we've got to be. And then we talked about the reality that though the, the, the works of the flesh is plural in this writing... The fruit of the Spirit is not plural. Even though we're looking at the different manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit in our life, it's fruit, it's singular, meaning, and take this picture, uh, you know, you've seen the picture of the big cluster of grapes, right? Or the big, you know, some kind of big cluster of fruit. Picture this, the fruit of the Spirit is one cluster, one fruit with many different manifestations in it. If you kind of got that picture in your head, smile and look at your neighbor and say, do you got it? I think I got it. You got it? Tommy, you got it? You got it? It's one. It's the, in other words, you don't pick and choose. Well, I'll be loving, but that self-control is not a part of my makeup. Or I'll be this, I'll be that. But now, Pastor, when you talk about kindness, that's just not how I grew up. Uh, you can't do that. It's, it, it, listen, if you're walking in the Spirit, these different manifestations of God's uh, person and, and plan and His personality just began to be made manifest. However, we have learned that it's not as natural as it may seem, though we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God. How many of you know we've got to cooperate with His outworkings in our life? How many of you know kindness, if it's here and not made manifest there, it's really no kindness at all? Are you with me? Say amen. Give somebody a fist bump. Say, come on, let's do it today. Amen. So here we go. I want to talk to you about kindness today. The fruit of the spirit of kindness. Dr. Barry Corey said this of kindness. It's the natural outcome of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. We exhale kindness. And after we, in, after we inhale what has been breathed into us by the Spirit of God. I like that. I'd like to fine-tune it a little bit, though. It's, it is a natural outflow of what God is working in us, but it's not just natural, it's supernatural. I understand what he's saying. How many of you know when you're, when you're doing right, there's some natural, it just becomes natural for us is, as we yield ourselves to the working of God's Spirit in our life. And it's biblical. God wants everybody to be kind. Now, when I was uh, growing up, and, well, it's not when I was growing up. It was kind of after I grew up a little bit. Hey, y'all, some of the older folks remember this. Remember going to the video store? You couldn't rent videos on TV. You could you could buy them on, on uh, but it was it was uh, VHS. I remember the VH going to the movie store. And man, you'd go there and just, it'd just be the hubbub, people going around. And you'd rent your favorite video and you better bring it back on time because there would be a late fee. You remember that? How many of you ever nearly got the police called on you for because you didn't bring your video back? Okay. But there was a little sticker on, on ours and it said this. Anybody remember it? Be kind. Rewind. How many of you ever rented a movie and it was not rewound and you went? So you were not kind to the people who were not kind when they didn't rewind. But how many of you know biblical kindness is more than just a little be kind every once in a while and rewind? It's a little more than even Glenn Campbell's song that says, and I am not singing it. You got to show a little kindness, and I can't even remember the words. Jim, you remember any of them? 
<laughs> We're going to talk about biblical kindness today, and I want to tell you that 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 I am. It just seems kind of oh, pastor, this is so simple. We, are, you know, give us something deep and wide. I am getting more and convinced that this thing called kindness is more profound than I ever understood. And I'll let you know a little bit about it in a moment. But here's where it kind of sparks from. And really a lot of these fruit of the Spirit spark from the first one. What's the first one? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Everybody say love. And it seems as though a lot of these other ones, like love is the foundational uh, spark for God so loved the world. And, and, and from that love comes all these other things. And so biblically, Biblical kindness is rooted in God's love for us and then is to be made manifest uh, through, through the maturation or the maturing of our life. And it's not only just our love for God, but our love for others. The greatest manifestation of the love of God and the kindness of God in our life is not just His love for us, but His love through us, His kindness through us. Have you ever met any of those Christians who you just thought they they had missed it when it come to being sweet and kind. Man, I've, I've you met any grumpy believers? I, I just I didn't. That's a conflict of terms because when you say you love God, you got to love one another, and so this kindness comes forth from the love of God in our life. Titus three four says this, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior appeared. Notice how. Uh, Titus put those two together. When the kindness of our Lord and Savior appeared, the kind, the love of God and the kindness of God appeared. In other words, they're pretty much linked together. You can't love God and love others. You can, in fact, you can't really love God without loving others. And it says God's love and kindness appeared. Let me just stop and comment a little thought. When you're kind, there will always be a manifestation. If you're not kind, it will not manifest. In fact, it, there's not a void there between being unkind and kind. You're either kind or unkind. You either love God or don't love God. You either love people or you don't love people. You can't be in the middle and not be, uh, because understand, if you're not kind, you will be unkind. Are you with me? Say amen. And so that's the greatest manifestation. It comes from the love of God, the love chapter. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says this, Love suffers long. There's that long suffering. Love suffers long and is what? Kind. And so understand this about the kindness of God. It, it, it spawned, if you will, and, and made manifest because of God's love for us. And once we come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and we begin to love God, the, 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 the product should be, as we yield to Him and His Spirit in our life, that we love Him back and we love those that He loves. And how many of you know He loves everybody? And He's kind to all, the Bible teaches us. And so this morning, I want to give you seven thoughts about biblical kindness, and you can jot them down. I think that would be good for you to jot them down, because I certainly can't give it all to you here, and you can go and you can, you can look these things over, and while you're, if you're taking notes, I want you to just do this for me today. I'll talk about this in a moment, but here's your, here's your, here's your reading material for the week. I want you to read, think, meditate on, and, and ponder the book of Ruth. Okay, Judges Ruth, it's a great story. 
And I'm, t- I'm going to tell you some things about that story today that ought to inspire you to be kind. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and allow the kindness of God to be made manifest through you. Seven thoughts about biblical kindness. Number one, just about the kindness of God. Biblical kindness is eternal. God will never be unkind to you. God will never change when it comes to his kindness and his love for people. Now, he may have to respond to us in a way uh, uh, that would be disciplinarian type response to us, but God will never uh, be shaken away from who he is and his nature. Some people don't understand this. His nature is kindness and love. Isaiah 54.10. If you're taking notes, write that down and read this in greater detail. But he says this. This is a promise from God, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Then he, he says something, though the, the, I think the mountains uh, d- depart and, and the sea goes away, whatever. In other words, it, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, whatever trauma and trouble you're going through, my kindness will not depart from you. Somebody say amen. We could go to lunch right now and just be happy today knowing that God will always be kind to us. He, it's his nature to be kind. He said, my kindness will not depart from you. Number two, biblical kindness is highly beneficial. Now, let me explain to you the Greek word there is krestos, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. And the root meaning of this kindness in, the, in Galatians chapter 5, kind of, the, the, kind of when you get down to the root meaning of the word, it has the thought of being very useful and beneficial. So it's interesting to me when we think of kindness, whether it's be kind, rewind, or just kind people. And let me just stop and say, uh, for those who may be watching on Facebook once again, maybe some of our friends in San Antonio, Jody Bell, that many of you have never met, that we went and celebrated her home going, we, we can attest to the fact the most kind, loving, caring, Christ-like woman that we have ever met and had the joy of being around. She was she was the epitome of kindness, even in the face of raising five sons. Can you imagine how that happened? In fact, we learned a lot about her. She, some people said, well, don't, don't you wish you have girls? She said, she said something like, ooh, girls are way too high maintenance for me. And so she was a great mom, very kind woman, and we honor her today. Uh, and, 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 she, and let me just say, her life of kindness was very useful and beneficial. In fact, she was one, she was the greatest servant in the house there at Destiny Church. She grew up there. She was born there. She served God and served her church family there. In fact, today there's a, there's going to be a big chasm of, of, of need in that church because she served so well and served so many. Uh, and she was highly useful to the kingdom of God. Hey, let me just explain. Biblical kindness is beneficial to others, of course. When we're kind to others, it's beneficial. In fact, kindness is really only best expressed through our, what we do and how we serve and how we love and how we care for others. It's the, and if you're a selfish person, you're not a kind person because you're not thinking about others. And so it's certainly beneficial to others. 
But here's what I want you to know about being kind and, and, and allowing that fruit of the Spirit, that manifestation of the Spirit of God to be made manifest in your life in its greater form. It's not only beneficial to others when you're kind, but it's beneficial to you when you're kind. It's like the principle of sowing and reaping. And that's what we see in the life of Ruth and how she, was, she showed kindness. I, I'll tell you the story quickly. Ruth was the daughter-in-law to who? Naomi. And, and then Ruth had a sister, and her name was Orpah. That's where Oprah got her name, but they didn't understand it. was. That's true. They thought it was Oprah. And so I don't know how that worked. So Oprah was supposed to be Orpah. Uh, but if I was Oprah, I would choose Oprah rather than Orpah myself, just the way it rolls off the tongue. But there were two sisters, and they, they were married to brother. I don't know if it's brothers. Uh, and, uh, and so all of their husbands passed away. The two daughters-in-law passed away. Uh, the husbands passed away, as well as Naomi's husband passed away. So there they are, and they're all heartbroken, and they're all uh, troubled. And in the middle of all that, Naomi tells the two girls, go back home to your family. Start over. There's nothing here for you. And the Bible says, Oprah, Orpah, she went home, but Naomi said, I'm not leaving. And she, and she was kind to her mother-in-law. And the scripture, pardon me? Pardon me? Did I say, oh, I said Ruth. I said Ruth. Ruth was kind to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And, and so you see that kindness being sown in the middle of their, their trouble, in the middle of their trauma, in the middle of their loss. There was Kindness. And then as the story goes on, and I don't have time, but she, they went into the fields to kind of pick up behind uh, the, the reapers. And so you know the story of Boaz and how Boaz came along. And Boaz was a kind-natured man too. When he came to all his servants, he blessed them and they blessed him back. And Boaz was a kind man. And Boaz was a wealthy man. And Boaz, he began to, he said, who is this gal? Who is this woman? And they told him about Ruth and how she was so kind to her mother-in-law and how she chose just to serve her and not leave her and, and not forsake her. And men, it touched his heart and he told all his servants and everybody said, you be kind to her. You take care of her. In fact, don't just let her pick up the pieces. You put her out there right with the reapers. And he was so kind to her. And then he, he, as he began to watch, he began to look at he said, it's not only is she a sweet, kind person, but she ain't bad looking either. And they were married. And this little broken-hearted Ruth went from a nobody to a somebody. Follow me now. Because of the kindness that she showed for her mother-in-law. Others showed kindness for her. I'm telling you, there's something about it. There's something redemptive. There's something supernatural. And so, hey, being kindness is beneficial, not only to those we are kind to, but it's beneficial to us. Here's what David said in Psalm 41.1. He said, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in his time of trouble. Did you catch that? If you caught that, say, I caught it, Pastor. If you didn't, I'm going to repeat it for you. How many of you can just be, oh, I'm just going to repeat it. I don't want to make you. Hey, listen, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in his time of trouble. What happened to Ruth that day? She was 
considerate and kind towards her mother-in-law. And what did God do? He delivered her out of all her trouble. There's great benefit in being kind to others. I'm telling you, let me just stop and say, uh, let's just, you won't, I hesitate to secularize this, but I'm telling you, this principle works. If you are kind to your boss, even if he's unkind, it will open doors of opportunity for you. If you're kind to your teachers, if you're kind to uh, 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 public officials, you know, you can differ in politics, but you can still be kind for goodness sake. In fact, I'm going to commentate here just a moment. We need to pray for Whoopi. Some of you haven't been watching the news. Whoopi Goldberg, she needs a good dose of the Holy Ghost in case Whoopi happens to watch this. <laughs> Hashtag Whoopi Goldberg. Hey, listen, the Holy, we just need the Holy Spirit. All of us, help us be kind. Even if we disagree, it'll open up doors or opportunity. And conversely, a lack of kindness, being unkind, uncaring, it will close doors. There is a there is the principle of sowing and reaping. Man, if you are unkind, uncaring, and unloving, it will come back on you. Are you with me? Say amen. So biblical kindness is eternal by from God's perspective. Biblical kindness is beneficial. And as I've said, biblical kindness is supernatural. I just think, and I, I'm just pondering this uh, because of the story. I think kindness unlocks supernatural manifestations in our midst. Ruth is my example today. It unlocks supernatural manifestations and provision of God in her life. And in a moment, I'm going to share how it unlocks some wonderful historical foundational truth for all of us. But it's supernatural. Pastor Stephen Whitmire said this, True kindness is spirit-produced. It is a supernaturally generous orientation of our hearts towards other people, even when they don't deserve it and don't love us in return. It's not loving and caring for those who love us back. It's caring for even our enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. And it's a supernatural manifestation of God to be kind even to those who don't love us, who are antagonistic towards us, where we can be kind. And I believe today, listen carefully to me, I believe as we allow the Holy Spirit to work this work within us, it will unlock supernatural manifestations of God in our midst. Are you with me? Say amen. I really believe that. So biblical kindness is eternal. It's beneficial. It's supernatural. And number four, biblical kindness is sacrificial. By nature, it's a sacrifice to be kind. In fact, look what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 24, talking about a servant of the Lord. How many of you know servants of the Lord are exactly that? Servants are servants. They have sacrificed some things in order to be servants. It says a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle slash kind to all. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind. Somebody say kind. But be kind to all. Not just those that are kind to them. In fact, I've said this before. Everybody loves being a servant till somebody treats you like one. Are you with me? Say amen. But the nature 
of, of being a Christian, being a servant of the Lord. It's sacrificial. We lay down what we want. We lay down our desires. We lay down for the sake of others. That's the nature of the kindness of God. It's the kindness of God uh, that, that should move us to a place of being willing to lay down what we want for the sake of others, even though they may not like us or care for us. Are you with me? Ruth sacrificed something big to be kind to her mother-in-law. She, she literally, in, in reality, sacrificed her future. When she said, in fact, you, you've heard it, treat me not to leave you. And she just laid it all on the wall. Her mother-in-law said, go, go, don't stay here. There's nothing here for you. Uh, there's no future here for you. If you'll go home, you can start over. Uh, uh, and Naomi said, go home. And Ruth said, no, I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. I'm staying here with you. If I have to sacrifice my future, I'm here for you. Her kindness was sacrificial. And that's the reality of being kind. In fact, the, here's the bigger picture. You know, the principle of sowing and reaping is true, but you don't sow just to reap. You don't, you're, you're not being kind just so others will be kind back to you. You're kind because God was ki- God's kindness led you to repentance and you become like him, but the natural benefit is that it comes back to you. It's the principle of God. Biblical kindness is sacrificial. But number five, This is what I love. Biblical kindness is transformational. It will change things. Listen, again, go back to just a natural perspective. In the work environment, in the school, in the family environment, just releasing kindness into the spiritual atmosphere, into the family atmosphere, into the business workplace, it will begin to transform that workplace. I'm telling you, I'm telling... I said, I'm telling you something here today. It's transformational. And let me just show you this today. In fact, I quoted Titus. Go over, Timothy Titus. Go over there, you're pretty close. Go to Timothy Titus. I want to show you the character and nature of God and how it's so transforming in all of our lives. Uh, He says this in Titus chapter 3. He's, oh, chapter, oh, I'm in Timothy still. Titus Chapter 3, look what he says, verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Everybody, hey, let me just say, that's transforming. The washing of regeneration is a transforming process. Are you with me? The renewing of the Holy Spirit is transformative in our life. And how, did that, how was that made manifest? Because of the kindness of God and the love of God appeared. And so you need just take the principle and pl- apply it in your life and in your family. When you choose, we choose. I'm going I'm to allow the kindness of God, the fruit of the Spirit, to begin to be made manifest not only to me but through me. I'm going to be kind and rewind. I'm going to do it all, man. I'm going to smile. I'm going to love those who are even crude, rude, and sociably unfittable. I'm the child of God. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to be kind to those around me, even to those who don't like me, even to those who may be my enemies. I'm going to be kind to them. And I'm telling you today, it's supernatural, and there's something will begin to change when you begin to do that. It may begin in you, but it may begin around you as well. And that's what happened with Ruth. 
she was kind. And things began to be changed in her midst. And as I said, she, the, her circumstances began to change. Ruth went from a poor grieving widow to a beautiful bride of great stature and wealth. She went from hopeless. She went from the, if you will, from the pit to the peak. Things changed in her life. And not only in her life, but understand something. Catch this. She had a baby. She got married and had a baby. Can you imagine the joy? In fact, Naomi got to be a part of all of this. She was there, and they kind of adopted her into this whole thing as well. She had a baby, and his name was Obed. O-B-E-D. Obed grew up, got married. They had a baby, and his name was Jesse. Jesse grew up. I'm talking about a little, little woman in the field picking the seeds and the grain behind the reapers. A little, or a, a little woman who's lost her husband. No hope, no future. Her son Obed grew up, had a baby. His name was Jesse. Jesse grew up and had a son. His name was David. And on and on and on. And Joseph took Mary in the same line as the little friendly, kind Ruth. And Joseph and Mary had a baby and his name was Jesus. Now think about the, the global, historical, transforming power of just being kind to your mother-in-law. changed the whole world still changing the whole world not because she was prophetic and we appreciate the prophetic not because she was dynamic speaker because she was kind and carry laid her life on the altar of sacrifice. You know, the end of the, well, this whole thing is so cool because it's a picture of Christ because Boaz became known as the kinsman redeemer. And we know the passage of Scripture that says in, in Romans, it's, I think it's Romans 2, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so understand something about the fruit of the Spirit in, the life, in your life. It's not just so people look. They look there. There's this nice little Christian boy, little Christian girl. How sweet they are. They love, they care, they're kind, they rewind, all those things. No. It, it's to transform the world with the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Wow. It'll make you want to read the story of Ruth a little closer and understand 
It's transformational. Number six, biblical kindness. I'm going to say it this way. I think it works. It's cross-cultural. It crosses cultural lines. You're not just kind to those of like kind. You're kind to uh, red and yellow, black and white. You're kind to people who are unkind. In fact, here's what it says about Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. God is kind, Jesus is kind to the unthankful and evil. In other words, he, it crosses over the line. I want to tell you, be kind and cross over the line. You know, everybody's got lines. Coming across that line, we we get boundaries around our world, and man, you got to be careful. You can't go down there and there. Those people there, there's this, that, and the other, and we forget that Jesus crossed every cultural line. He crossed. He got into people's business. He he got into their lives. He walked into their world. He did miracles in their behalf. His kindness would draw people in. Man, he was kind. He'd see people hungry. He would feed them miraculously out of his kindness towards them. And it crossed over every line. And we know that's the case with the gospel today. It crosses every cultural line. It doesn't put itself in a box and say, you know what, I'm just going to minister to my family and my home and we're going to just be happy and kind to one another. It crosses over into the world. Listen, you want to shake, rattle, and roll the lost humanity, you be kind in the power, the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, the most people, listen, most people in that world out there, they, they don't understand even the very nature of being kind to others. People cut us off in traffic. Bless you in the name of the Lord. Are you with me? It crosses over. And Jesus, let, let me tell you something. What did Jesus do from heaven? He came and he crossed over from a heavenly culture to an earthly culture because of his love and our love, his love for lost humanity. Biblical kindness is cross-cultural. Uh, Boaz, go back to Boaz. I'm telling you, Boaz was kind. And, and because it says, you read, when you read Ruth, the first chapter, when he showed up in the workplace... He blessed his workers and his servants. He spoke kindly to them, and they turned around and blessed him. Now, I'm telling you, that's different in the culture we live in today. Boaz knew, I'm going to be kind to my workers. I'm kind to those who are, are working for me, my servants. And he crossed that cultural line. He could have come in his, uh, uh, you know, his, his uh, 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 royal chariot or whatever, and his entourage, and, you know, flipped his nose to, to the, the peons of life. But no, he crossed over and he got into their world. He realized, man, everybody deserves kindness. Lost people deserve kindness. I'll never forget a friend of mine. There, we were dealing with some lost guy who was rude, crude, sociably undefinable, and he just kept being kind to him. And I wanted to do something else. And he just, and he just said, kind of like what Jesus said, he's lost, Sam. It's his nature. Kind of like what Jesus did on the cross. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. They can't help it. So biblical kindness crosses over. And finally, biblical kindness, and this is pretty cool, and we're going to close, is ministerial. 
Let me explain it to you. I'm going to take a left and go to 2 Corinthians just for a moment. I want to show you this in chapter 6. Paul's talking about the characteristics of ministers and ministry. And he says this, oh, down in verse 4, he says, But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Okay? Here he goes. As ministers of God. In much patience. That's being enduring in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, and imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. In other words, whatever we go through, we're still ministers of God. And here he says, and this is how we do it, by purity. How many of you know ministers need to walk purely before the Lord? And then he says, by knowledge, that's heart knowledge, knowing of God. And his word, by being long-suffering, which means short or long-tempered, by kindness. That should be the nature. By the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth. Listen, have you ever heard anybody who, by the word of God, they put a whoop on God's people, they just lambasted them with the word of God, and just, boy, just, how many of you know, that's not the nature of ministry. It's through kindness. So we see kindness and purity linked together as characteristics of ministry. We see kindness and and the Word of God linked together as characteristics of ministry. We see kindness uh, and, and love linked together as proper characteristics of those who would call themselves a minister. And all God's people said, Amen. And so today, I want you to read through the, the, the story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. Read that story and take your highlighter out. And, and in certain translations, the word kindness and kindly, spoke kindly, was there. Let me just say, I think today God's going to transform our lives this week as we begin to appropriate and and, and nurture the characteristic of kindness in our life. And where should it begin? At home. I find at home sometimes I'm the most unkind guy on the block. Beverly, don't say amen. Just say, no, you're not. We begin at home. We speak kindly. We're kind to our children. We're kind to our spouse. We're kind to our neighbors. Even if they're not kind, we're kind to our enemies. And I think, as we begin, I believe that the supernatural, transforming, miraculous ministry of the Spirit of God will begin to be made manifest in and through us in ways that we never dreamed. Think about this. Many times we, God, I need a miracle. I need money, Lord. We try to convince God to give us money. Can it be that if we'll just start being kind to people and loving others, that the transforming supernatural provision of God on all levels will begin to be made manifest in our life. Let's stand together today. Father, today I thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for your kindness towards us. 
Lord, you said your kindness leads us to repentance, transformed our lives and changed our lives. Thank you that your kindness will never fail us. Though the, the world dissolve and melt with a fervent heat, your kindness remains. Lord, we embrace the kindness of God in our heart. Holy Spirit, I want everyone to lay your hand on your heart. Hey, let's just apply this. Lord, we lay our hands on our heart. We pray, God, today that you would help us by way of the Holy Spirit begin to exhibit and mature in this multifaceted thing called the fruit of the Spirit. And the kindness of God would begin to be made manifest, not just to us, but through us. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed today, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're not, let me just say, you're just not sure if you belong to Him. You're searching for Him. You came today in hopes that you would find a Savior. Answers to the questions of life. And you know you need Him in your life more than ever before. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you can say, Pastor, that's me. I need Christ in my life. I'm hungry for Him. I need Him. You may even know enough to know that I'm lost and on my way to hell without Him. If that's you on any level today, lift your hand where you are. I'll not embarrass you, but I'll pray with you. Lift your hand wherever you are. Anyone here? Say, so that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I need Jesus. I see that hand. Anyone else? Lift your hand. I need Jesus in my life. God bless you. You can put it down. I want everyone in this room to pray with me. In fact, let's all look up at me just for a moment. We're about to pray a prayer that has the power to move us from being lost and on our way to hell to being born again, as the Bible says, and become his child. That's powerful. Let's pray it together in behalf of those who lifted their hand. Everyone together. Let's, in fact, just pray this prayer out of the sincerity of your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for paying for my sin with your blood. Arising again the third day so I could have new life too. I repent of my sin. I invite you to come and be in my life as my Lord and leader. I confess you as the Lord of my life. And I thank you today that because faith in what you've done for me on the cross, I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.